1: Hey, what's up, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, and we're here with, obviously, another Driven Entrepreneur. But this week is, uh, I've been looking and searching for someone to talk about this subject. Um, for those of you who have kids, or you might be having kids at some point, or, well, you have a kid in your life, you've ever been a kid, but most importantly, if you have kids that are going to be going to college and you're not sure about what it is, the conversation we have in our house a lot, I have a 10-year-old son named Val, you might have heard me talk, you might have even seen him here and there on our YouTube at, at Matt Browning on YouTube. Um, but my wife and I, we talk about, you know what does it look like for his future at 10 years old? And you know it's like, dad's an entrepreneur, uh, his mom works in the house, and the question is, are you going to college? Are you going to university? Um, Are you going to be an entrepreneur? You know what does it look like to prepare for a future? And what I don't want is I don't want my son stuck going through what I did just because you know we're not thinking about it. And I don't want him just to go off to college and go. Why am I here? My parents made me. So we're having that conversation right now in our house about what does it look like to encourage our children moving forward into their future. And one of the things I know is that depending on what he wants to do college or university might be the number one necessary tool to get there. So I wanted to have a chat with an expert in that space and we wanna do it smart, we wanna do it financially smart like we always do with our creative entrepreneurship and your business, right? Um, so with me today is Amazon international best-selling author. She's a TEDx speaker and a coach to parents of college-bound teens, Denise Thomas' missions to inspire, educate, and equip parents to take an active role in supporting their children going towards financial freedom. Now, she's been a 20-year homeschool veteran, which kudos to Denise, oh my gosh, and having homeschooled two kids, from pre-K all the way through high school, and then both of her kids, watch this, attended their first choice college on 17, 17 on 17 scholarships exceeding $199,000, and they even walked out of college with cash in hand. You heard me right, no student loans, no debts, like which is what most kids have. They actually walked out with cash in hand, everything paid for because of what she didn't focus on. So she teaches you how to keep your money and not have college be a death sentence. Again, a lot of entrepreneur kids have uh, a lot of entrepreneurs' children. The right path, even if they get into the business with you, is going to be to have a degree behind them. So, Denise, welcome to the show. Are you there, uh, my friend? I can't wait to chat with you. Oh,
0: I'm looking forward to this, Matt. Thank you for having me on.
1: Hey, so, um, you know, my first question is, oh my gosh, you're a rock star girl, like homeschooling two kids from pre-K through high school. Is that something that you always wanted to do even before you had kids? Or was it a situation you kind of, you know, that kind of came into, fell into your lap or you got forced into? Tell me the story of homeschooling.
0: That I have to say was not a plan. Definitely not a plan. Uh, we happen to have been living in an area at the time when my girlfriend who was happened to be homeschooling took me to a homeschool convention that year. I just wanted to know what it was all about, really had no idea. But what I saw were professional families. You know, people have weird uh, ideas of what homeschooling looks like. It's normal people, people who are engineers, they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners, normal people were there with their children at a conference. And kids of all ages, from toddlers all the way through high school. But what impressed me most was that all of these children were well behaved and well mannered. That that made an impression.
1: So you uh, you literally showed up at the Amway convention. Sorry, I mean the, <laughs> the I mean the homeschool convention. And they said, uh, check this out. This is more normal than you realize. You know, we found the same thing. Like you know, sometimes I, I, same thing, right? You, you get this rural kind of idea of the the quote-unquote weird homeschool kid. But you know what's funny is I've been living in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan for the last three years, and, I mean, half the people I know were homeschooled, and they're some of the most normal, well-adjusted people. Um, can you real quick dispel a couple of myths? This isn't about homeschooling the but I, I want to encompass kind of all of, really, this is about raising kids this episode, you know, and it's about— helping the kids train up as we want them to move forward. And I think there's some myths around that, that I certainly have have blown out in my world. We've actually, we're homeschooling our son this year. Um, Can you blow out a couple of myths of homeschool? What do people think, you know, about socialization and how do they get that? And all that kind of, I'll call it, I'm going to call it garbage, but can you blow some of that out of the water?
0: Oh, absolutely. Matt, I can talk anyone into homeschooling. And I know this sounds really weird, but I've actually sat down over ice cream cones with another family at a a particular store and talked about homeschooling. The myth of socialization to me is one of the foolish, most foolish ones that I've ever heard. Because if you think about it, what are we talking about when we talk about socialization? Well, a homeschool student is interacting with people of all ages. They have their siblings of all ages. They have their parents, their grandparents, and, you know, neighbors, etc. cetera. They know how to communicate with pretty much anyone. Yet traditionally schooled kids are in a classroom with their own age group for 12 years, all day long. That's all they know. So when they go off into the real world of work or business, Everyone around them is going to be a different age. Their boss, their co-workers, they don't know how to communicate with these people. They don't know how to hold a, a normal conversation about, well, anything, life, politics, whatever. They have been raised and they have been stuck in communicating only with their own age group for more than a decade.
1: That's a really, really good point you know, I always think of it from a slightly different perspective, but I just want to hit on that different age groups. So if you literally are going from class to class and for 12, 13 years and then even college, right? So years plus always being around your person. Yeah. All of a sudden everybody else looks old and young and you don't know how to communicate with them. I love that. The other thing I think about Denise is could you speak to kind of the, I don't know the tribal or pack mentality. What I see is you want to socialize a kid. So what you should do with a nine year old, is throw them into a room with 32 other nine-year-olds and then one teacher who's trying to be the warden, essentially. It's not always that way, obviously. There's a ton of great teachers, so please don't misunderstand me, America. I'm not knocking. Uh, the individual teachers that are trying real hard. But the structure and system itself is not designed for socialization. I remember, I mean, it's designed for, unfortunately, the opportunities of there can be positive reinforcement, but it can also there can be bullying, there can be left out, there can be unbelievable judgment, and you're not And you're in this room with a bunch of other kids that don't yet have social skills either. So like why build your social skills with a bunch of people who don't even have in the first place?
0: Exactly. And another thing that you mentioned or or didn't mention rather is peer pressure. If you're in a classroom with 30 plus kids and you know, guess what? You're going to be seeing those same kids every single day for a number of years. That peer pressure can be very strong. But if you look at the other aspect of homeschooling versus traditional school, In homeschooling, you have, as a parent, control over what your child is learning how they're learning. You can speak to their strengths and their learning styles. There are so many positives to homeschooling. The list is probably as long as your arm.
1: All right, here's the last piece, then we'll move on from homeschooling. I appreciate this conversation, Denise. I I hope uh, everyone else does as well. Um, What about the, who in the world has time for that? Or, you know, if we're both working, uh, you know, in, in a spouse situation, or if, how do you balance work or working from home? You know, is it only if you have one spouse is working in the home? How, how do you approach that from a career perspective, from a time perspective, from a finance perspective? Well,
0: if you think about it, homeschooling is actually quite different from putting your kid in school or it's not bringing school home. That's what I like to say, because we think, because that's what we're used to is you, have to sit your kid down on a chair and they have to do all this work and they're going to be there for eight hours. And now I'm stuck for eight hours. It doesn't work that way. Homeschooling, your kid is doing what they need to do in a very rapid amount of time. I think that's one thing that COVID has taught us as a family is that our kids don't need to spend eight hours a day in a classroom because they were doing their homework at home prior to the school system figuring this out. And they, it, it's all busy work, to tell you the truth. So at home, it takes a lot less time. Even at the high school level, they can get everything completed in six hours. Prior to high school, and that, that includes, quote, homework, because it's all one thing. Prior to high school, it's much less time. Uh, let's say elementary school, couple hours tops middle school, maybe four hours, high school, six hours. And then they're off to the races doing what they want to do, their activities, what their passions are. They can have a job. They can work in your business. There's, again, there's just so many wonderful things about homeschooling. But before we go any further, please do not put me on a pedestal for homeschooling through high school. I didn't have a plan. I literally homeschooled one year at a time. What I told my husband is, we will do this until it stops working, until we stop having fun. Because, well, let's face it, they have to take them back. It's the law, right? They have to be educated. So we homeschooled one year at a time, and we progressed, and the kids loved it, and it was wonderful.
1: Man, that's so great to hear. And I, I just love, too, the creativity of, for instance, so I'm an entrepreneur. I do my business, and something I've done with my son for the last at least three or four years Is you know he doesn't come and do everything with me at work, but when if I put on a seminar, he's going to be there. Or oftentimes I'll go do a speaking gig, and I'm going to you know we travel you know around the lake to Chicago, a three-hour drive, or uh, we fly. He's he's my Southwest companion pass. Um, and why not, right? I bring him in, and it's a special time. He's he's definitely not not learning. We fly in the plane together. We learn how to be around you know the crowds together. Uh, this is you know obviously being safe during the whole uh, COVID time and everything. Um, you know it's like we go through the airports together. He understands why we're not going to buy the bottle of water from the airport store for five dollars, and we you know we refill a, a thing. It's like he's learning fiscal responsibility. We get to the hotel together. We get to have some fun, and then he gets you know we set up a table and I speak and he'll be the one to collect forms if people are purchasing something or signing up for something and he knows to give him the yellow copy and then he actually gets a commission. So like, I'll create those experiences and whatever your business is, unless, you know, again, it's drastically unsafe or something, there's no reason why your kid couldn't also be a part of that. And I think you'd probably find, and sorry, I'm like, I'm I'm so passionate about this. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll bet you would probably find And I'm curious what you think on this, Denise would you find that sometimes people are working, you know, two incomes, two careers, and they're paying for, you know, school, and then after school daycare, or even sending their kids through private school, because of whatever the belief system is for that. Maybe they want more religious control or they want curriculum control. And when you take away the private school tuition, you take away the after school care, all of a sudden, you know, mom or dad, the extra spouse is making $3,000 a year. And you go, wait a minute, I could be with my kids all day long and do three hours of homeschool and have a bunch of fun and do museums and all these types of things. And it doesn't cost anything. And in some cases you even get paid, don't you?
0: Oh, absolutely. Matter of fact, when I was homeschooling my kids, During some of the later years, I had my kids in, uh, let me just backtrack just a quick moment. I like summer camps. Summer camps to me were always a blast. So my kids went to summer camps pretty much as often as I could send them. My mom called it free babysitting, but there was usually one summer camp that we were paying for. Well, during one of those camps, my son found that he really enjoyed computer programming. A few years later, I taught a computer programming course for middle school and high school homeschoolers in our area. And I did get paid quite well. So there are things you can do as a parent if you want the extra income. But the best part to me about homeschooling is allowing your child to find their passion. To me, that's one of the most important things that you can do. And you've got so much more time for that when you're homeschooling. And you are so correct when it comes to that income you've you've got your your wonderful career your job out there but by the time you add up the cost to having your child be educated by someone else you're not making as much as you think you are
1: yeah is it really worth it not to mention the cost that you can't put a number to of do I want to be present with them even more and you know we say a lot in our household i don't think i made this up but the days are long and the years are short and you know before you know it all of a sudden man he's he's 10 he's he's halfway out the door already and i'm sometimes the days are really long but i'm really grateful for the time we have together hey let's talk about preparing them and you talk about finding their passion i think again I, when i intro you in the very beginning of the show uh again we're talking with denise thomas college uh debt-free college coach and helping parents to get their kids on the right track and not having to go into debt. Um, to do it and not having to be beholden to what we think the old systems are you just talked about the passion and helping you find out what your kids are passionate about. I can't tell you how many adults I talk to when they ask you know kind of about hey I want my kid to be an entrepreneur and it's like well what are, what are they into what are they passionate about and it's like I don't know they, there's this this mentality I believe in some parents and maybe unintentional about, you know, the old school, of I want my kid to follow in my footsteps. Or maybe the kid thinks they want to follow in dad's or mom's footsteps just because. So could you speak to that a bit about what my desire is? I want to uncover what my kid's passion is. And I know he's not me, he's half my DNA, but not all my DNA. So what is he passionate about? What does he want to do? And how can I help him get there? Could you kind of just speak to that?
0: Absolutely, Matt. And I think that's something that we don't think about, especially as our kids are moving into the middle school years. Middle school has traditionally been just a pass-through between elementary and high school here in the U.S., but there's more to it than that. Yes, your child is maturing a little bit between those years, but it's really important to give our kids opportunities to find their passion during those years. Back when I was in school decades ago, college applications did not get submitted until the second half of high school senior year. So whatever activities or leadership roles your child was involved in, in senior year, those were placed on the application as well. Today, college applications are not are submitted much, much earlier, sometimes before your child has even set foot in their high school for senior year. So we're essentially losing those accolades, those opportunities to be placed on that college application. So now we have to backtrack at least one more year to middle school. So what I like to say is it's best to start early in those middle school years to start giving your kids opportunities to find what they really enjoy doing, find their passion, because then you can design those high school years so that that college application is really impressive.
1: And so let's talk about that passion thing. So one of my first questions is, I want to support my son when he gets out into the world. But number one is, should he go to college? Do you believe every kid should go to college? Are there times when a kid should look at their passions and when their talents and what they really want to do with their life and go to trade school or use the, maybe the, the funds or whatnot to start a business, which, and I don't know if there's a right way for that, but what's your take on, first off, should everybody go to a college? Is there benefit for that for everyone or is there better pathways? How do you discover that?
0: I'm gonna start with absolutely not. Not everyone should go to college. I think that's one of the many myths that we've been believing over the last decades that you have to go to college and get a degree in order to be successful in life. Today, especially with the internet, we know everyone knows people who are highly successful that don't have a college diploma. Now, children actually grow up a lot in college. There's a lot of maturing that they do getting on their own, etc. And they learn a lot with that college experience. So there is something good to be said about that. But not everyone needs to go to college. If we talk about the success and being able to earn a good income, trade school earns almost as much or as much as someone who has a college degree, you can easily have a trade school degree or diploma And earn six figures as you can with a college degree. So it's, I look at it and say it's an option, it doesn't have to be the option.
1: Well, again, it depends on what right, what you're passionate about, what, they're, what they want to move into. If somebody, you know, they want to work with their hands and get into welding or something in that whole world, it's like, well, yeah, I, I might want to actually go to a trade school. I might want to go be an apprentice with a carpenter, become a journeyman. And all of a sudden you're running the show or you're doing what you're going to do and, and you're loving it 30 years old or 35 years old. And again is college the right thing for that? But if you wanna be you know, a, a bioengineer, or you wanna be, uh, maybe you wanna teach um, literature at a college level, well, yeah, you know what the road is, right? You know you're going into your PhD, and but there's definitely that conversation. How young do you think we, as these woke entrepreneurs, you know how it is, uh, how young do you think we should be having these conversations? Is this kind of from day one, always looking for what are you passionate? what is this kid interested in at two? Or is it like a, hey, you're 13, we're going to have the talk. (laughs) How do you approach discovering that and and having that open conversation as a family?
0: I believe as a parent, our job is to pay attention. Just watch your kids. Pay close attention. Seriously, it really is important. (laughs) You know, and some kids will be easier to, I'm going to say, pigeonhole into where they need to be uh, in life versus others. And I have one of each. So I, I know the dilemma. Believe me, I do. So in some kids you can see that entrepreneurial spirit early. If you're an entrepreneur, you've got a business in your own home. Kids are seeing that. And you can create those opportunities even if it's, you know, having a lemonade stand and they're earning their own money, whatever it might be. There's so many opportunities to to allow your kids to have a chance to see what that's like. But then you'll have the kid that maybe is taking the ink pen apart as they are doing their homework and putting it back together. Maybe engineering is something that they need to look at. Or if you happen to notice that they are the kid that is constantly into video games, well, maybe computer programming and designing their own games is something they can do as a kid. You'd be surprised how many YouTubers are 10 year olds that I'm looking at asking questions about software. It's it's crazy. So there's just so many things, but it's more important for us as parents to watch our kids as they're growing up and give them opportunities to try out different things. And, um, That can start early, but mostly I think it should start in the middle school years for sure.
1: You mean it's not always a waste of time when the kid's on a video game?
0: What I say is if they're waking up and doing nothing but playing video games all day, okay, that might be a little bit of a waste of time. But what I've found is that most kids that are enjoying video games, they have a certain skill set that we're just kind of not seeing yet. But there are opportunities to for to actually forge that into something that basically they could really love for life
1: it's pretty incredible i'm watching you know again at at 10 i have a certain perspective obviously Um, but i'm watching these you know playing minecraft games like minecraft roblox and a lot of parents me included for a long time it's like what are you even playing i don't get it um get off you know get off the screen get off the screen but you know what i'd love to do is sometimes i just ask him you know I'm, i'm we're going out driving somewhere and I'm like, Hey, so what have you been doing on Roblox? He's like, Oh, nothing. I was like, what was that one character? And he's like, Oh, you mean, and he starts talking about it and just getting curious about what he's actually interested in. I start learning more about what is this platform? How does this thing work? And what I find is there is deep programming and it's open source, meaning like kids, as soon as they start grasping it, they can begin to use plug and play options to make their own little worlds for other people and you can go all the way down the rabbit hole where you're actually coding your own game so anywhere from just playing around as something that's created to coding your own game so i think as a video game goes that stuff is a really good example so if your kid is playing a ton of those roblox and minecraft games really encourage them. If they're loving it, there's, I mean, we've signed Val up for uh, Minecraft coding classes. And it's like, that was part of homeschool, right? Why just follow the standard curriculum of a school? Why not do things he's actually interested in? He lo- He got interested in reptiles. So before you know, it, we're saving up money, he's working to earn it. We buy a leopard gecko, he's learning to take care of it. He's, But he's the one who has to teach us what to do. All right. I'm not gonna tell him how often she needs to eat. He's got to learn that. and he's watching YouTube videos and, and learning all about, it. and he remembers it like like a, a steel trap. It's pretty amazing. Um, so we're, we're getting our kids. this is the danger, Denise. I'm talking about my kid, and all of a sudden, you know, six hours later, there's the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about then, let's say, um, college is part of this. I am wanting, you know, we want to save up money for him. But there might not be enough extra money, and I might wake up, and you might be hearing this, and your kid is 16 years old or 17 right now. Um, can you talk about financial aid? Um, I hate that this is something that is one big category that um, you know Sally May and, and the government and schools—they want us to all believe that it's one category. That's scholarships. That's grants. That's loans, which is debt, which is slavery. So what? Can you kind of break down financial aid and then how what's the mindset first off to approach what am i going to do with this whole school thing like a lot of people approach school upcoming as oh it is what it is we'll apply, we'll get whatever financial aid and we'll get loans and we'll you know yeah whatever it costs it costs we have no idea What do you want to tell, especially entrepreneurial parents, about that?
0: Well, first of all, Matt, thank you for mentioning financial aid as this all encompassing, you know, umbrella term. When I think of financial aid, I think of need based aid, I think of grants, because that is for a specific category of monies for free money for college. However, it is more limited than people believe. Financial aid or, or need based aid grants will not cover everything that you need for college. It's just not gonna happen. It's designed to only cover your tuition at a local regional college or university. It's not designed to cover the you know the hot dream school in another state where now you're gonna have to cover room and board and other expenses for travel. So that's where parents get stuck. And we've been believing, we've been led to believe, wait until junior year, your kid is 16 years old or so, before you even start thinking about college, before you start taking those entrance exams. And the truth is, the earlier we start this process, the more money there is for your child. Your child is just about to start middle school. Middle school is the perfect time to start evaluating the activities your kids are involved in. But why is this even important? It's important because we have to remember why colleges and what they are doing, what are they looking at on that college application? Colleges are looking for three things. Number one, is your kid going to pass and graduate? Because that their numbers. Number two, how does your kid fit into the campus community? That becomes their passion. That part of the application is important because now you're telling the college, oh, well, Johnny loves playing baseball, but he's not good enough to play for the college team, but he loves it so much. And we're seeing it in so many areas of this application Johnny's going to play intramural sports. That's where he fits into the campus community. And last but not least, colleges are looking throughout that application to discern what kind of an alumni are you going to be? How is your kid going to reflect as an adult Back on his college? And are they going to give back? Are they going to contribute back to the alumni association, et cetera? So that's a starting point. And the reason this is important is because people think scholarships are just, you know, the outside scholarships, the private organizations or clubs or individuals who give scholarships for college. But the biggest scholarship your kid will receive is the one from the college he attends. So it's really important to start there and to get those things taken care of
1: early. So let's talk about that for a second. And can you break down the difference between a grant and a scholarship? Is a grant always uh, based on like need and low income? So for instance, because I don't want to do anything immoral either, but I also don't want to miss a grant if it's available to me. So if you're making a bunch of money in your business, let's just say your, your household income is high. Are you skipping the grants and going straight to the in-state ideally school for scholarship and then looking at other scholarships? Um, or are there grants as well available depending on what's happening? Like maybe in the field of study, hey, we wanna get more of this kind of, of career out in the world. So are there government grants for education in that particular field? I don't know a lot about this. So what's the difference between granting a scholarship and what should you be looking for?
0: Thanks for asking that, Matt grants typically are need based when it comes to your child entering college federal grants are
1: strictly need and strictly and by need end. you mean financial need or is there Absolutely. other need okay
0: yes it is it is financial need now there are grants for teachers that are federal grants as well because they are trying to get more teachers into the world so that that is an option most parents who are making six figures will say we make too much money, we're not gonna get anything. So we won't fill out the FAFSA form, that's the Free Application for Financial Student Aid. What is the truth is that everyone should fill out that form for their high school senior. The reason is because there's more involved than just what you and I perceive to be low income. First of all, schools, their idea of low income is different from yours. Oh. Absolutely, and it can be very interesting. One of the things that I like to showcase is Harvard, for example. Harvard cost of attendance is somewhere in the $70,000 per year line. However, when you fill out the forms on online, they have a form called the net price calculator. Every school has this form. It, it's, it's something the federal government requires. It just gives parents and students an idea of what your bottom line, what your out-of-pocket expense is going to be. So if you go onto Harvard's website, for example, and fill out the net price calculator, let's say you put in, I make $150,000, you could actually end up only paying $20,000 per year at Harvard. Whoa. Six-figure income.
1: Okay. Okay. I hope everyone heard that. So you're talking the net price calculator for the school, and you might realize that based on the expense, plus your, you know, based on your income, even if you think you make a good amount for you, according to the school's calculation, you might still qualify for a reduction, or would that be a scholarship from the school, or would that just be a, a tuition adjustment?
0: Well, Harvard technically doesn't give the, uh, merit-based, they do not give merit-based scholarships which is based on your child's grades and test scores. They give need-based scholarships, which are based on income and assets. So for Harvard and a school such as Harvard, where they have a large endowment from their alumni, they simply reduce the cost. Wow,
1: man, that's incredible. Well, and this uh, time is going, believe it or not, this is such a great conversation. I'm really, really enjoying this, Denise. What is kind of, what, what's something you want to leave people with as we wind down here when I approach this and I'm looking at my kid and I'm thinking, I want you to move forward. What do you want to tell us about student loans? What do you want to tell us about what, what are some next steps? actually is probably a better question. How can I get my kid involved? How can I get my kid ready at that point?
0: Obviously depends on the age of your child. And to me, I always say the earlier, the better. Don't wait until your child is pushing the last two years or so of, of high school to start looking into this because believe it or not, scholarships begin in kindergarten here in the US. So the longer you wait, the more money you're leaving on the table. So if you think or even imagine that your child might be going to college someday. Look into it now. Just get your feet wet and uh, figure out whether or not you can work just a just a hair, just a little bit on what it might take for your kid to go to college because there are things you can be doing even in those younger years that prepares them for getting that free money.
1: Let's get some free money. I love it. I love it. Um, well, I'm excited that you and I and hopefully so much of the rest of the world listening to this are looking for the passions of our kids looking to pell them into the future and really looking to support them hopefully in different ways in education and realizing look the landscape is not maybe what you heard from your neighbor or what you grew up with listen to Denise and and go forward and Denise uh, how can we find out more about you? What you're doing? I know you have an amazing ebook all about getting, especially for business owners, getting their kids to college debt free. Um, will you plug your stuff for me? Would you just plug it? Because I think this is so good, and we should all grab it.
0: Oh, thank you, Matt. I have an ebook that I wrote specifically for business owners because sometimes business owners think, well, you know, we have a business. We obviously we're making a decent income. There's no way we're going to get money. But the truth is there are opportunities, there are things you can do such as helping your kid be part of the business that will help with reducing that what looks like, quote, too much money to get anything. Also, let's not forget academics. There are academic scholarships that will practically pay for your kid to go to college for free. But again, you've got to start those things free uh, early. What I have for our entrepreneur, for our business owner families, is an ebook called The Business of Paying for College. And they can find it at getaheadoftheclass.com forward slash business book.
1: Awesome. Getaheadoftheclass.com forward slash business book and that is everything you need to know as a business owner to get your kids through college debt-free. It's about scholarships, it's about applications, it's about all those wonderful things, and really it's about getting our family ahead. Um, loving that and excited about that. Thank you so much, Denise, you were amazing, and I'm looking forward to uh, to continuing this conversation with you, especially as uh, as my son gets older. We're gonna be, uh, I'm, I'm grabbing the book right now, so we're gonna plug away at it.
0: Excellent, and Matt, I would say that You know, families are today are maybe making good money, and that's fantastic. Maybe you planned on paying for your kid to go to college. Maybe you were one of the very few who has a college fund, but why would you give your son or daughter, the money for college when you could give them a house at graduation instead. Let someone else pay for them to go to school.
1: I am so in for that. I love it. Denise Thomas, thank you so much. All right, everyone, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. And again, I'd love to bring these resources of of experts and people that are support and resources for you, the entrepreneur. So again, if you have a kid at any age, be listening to this episode, grab Denise's book, and really consider how am I gonna support my kid moving forward. If you don't have children, or they're already grown or past college, hey, share this episode with someone. You know, text your friend that has, uh, you know, an elementary or junior high age kid and say, hey, I just, you gotta listen to this, man. It's all about your kid, and that's that's what we're here for. Super excited. I'll see you next week. Uh, with another Driven Entrepreneur. Remember to follow me and the show at Matt Browning. You can always get this. If you're listening live, you can get this on demand anywhere we podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts. Looking forward to seeing you next Friday with another Driven Entrepreneur. Bye-bye.